In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data. So we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh wait, we do! It's the Computer Exorcist Podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena. From the Wallace Memorial microphone in my home office, overlooking the hills of western New York. My name is Mark Anthony Arena, and this is the Computer Exorcist Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. I have a very, very, very special guest today. Uh, I admire him so, so greatly. Um, he's my buddy, and he is Jim the Internet Plumber. Um, he is an expert in all of this security stuff, so he's just going by Jim the Plumber today, and you guys are going to love him. He's never been on the show, and he's just such a great, great guy. Um, Jim, how are you? Doing good. good. Thanks for having me on the show. I, uh, I take caution hearing you, you call me an expert. You know, I, I, um, like many other people out there just have, uh, have gained my experience from, you know, hand, hands on day to day activities with the nightmares that you find on the internet. So if that makes me an expert, maybe, maybe I'll take that title from you, but, but I'm not sure. I got you. It's a disclaimer. Yeah, but but you're I just you're you're quite brilliant and uh that much we can say. Well thanks. Right back at you, Mark. I love I always love chatting with you. It's one of the most engaging and enjoyable conversations I have throughout That's, the year. And you know, you and I have our our quarterly talks, right? Where you know, mm -hmm. in the, when I started my business, I just felt like, you know, this lone wolf, this guy out there who's who's trying to save the world, and, and I didn't have any allies, right? All the other computer dudes, people said, why don't you go find another computer guy and team up with? I said, no, because they're all jokers and they have no clue what they're doing. But finally, later on, I was able to team up with some friends who who really are not only knowledgeable and and have updated knowledge on this stuff, but also, importantly, are, are in it for the customer, right? I always say that, a lot of dudes are on the opposite side of the desk as you. They're representing the industry, and they're there to get a quota. They're there to get a commission off of you. But 
the guys I team up with are people who are on your side. We're on the, on your side, on the consumer's side of the table, and we're protecting you from overkill products and overkill services. And so every quarter or so, Jim and I will have a talk and just explain explained express to each other what we've encountered like oh i just saved this client from some ridiculous thing that they didn't need at all and it's it's quite therapeutic to be able to commiserate with each other you agree absolutely yeah it's it's so much fun to find there's there's a redeeming value and just just hearing you know a small a small business a mom and pop uh the the appreciation in their voice when when they find out you know that you're going to be either saving them money or or uh giving them the straight story and and uh and it's a breath of fresh air for them, and they love it. And it's—I guess that's maybe that's what we live for, right? That exactly—that's what we live for. That's the point of all of this, right? That's why we learn technology, and and it's so we can be a bridge between the tech world and the normal people. Uh, two two of my favorite examples that I, I told you about over the years. Uh, was one where a guy, successful small business owner, doesn't know anything about computers. He was paying nine eighty seven a month for a piece of garbage website uh, made by someone who didn't care at all, and it was this garbage template and everything. And I got him set up for he's paying one twenty a year, let's say. Uh, another guy, he was expecting to pay ten grand, and. I said, yeah, look, I mean, if you're some humongous business, maybe. I said, but you're just a small business. And so same deal. I got him way down and he was so in shock. He couldn't even, he couldn't believe it. I mean, it's sometimes we give people options that sound too good to be true. It's just because we're not out to gouge you. Yeah, the, uh, you know, back in when I first started uh, playing around with the internet and learning how all these things worked, I, I ended up, you know, working with the monopolies back in the day. And that's, that's really what motivated me. And really, you know, even as a kid, uh, programmed me it just in my nature uh when when you see like back in the day there was only one place you could get a domain from and you also had to get your hosting from them and then after a few years you could then get your hosting from someone else and then eventually the government stepped in and broke up the monopolies that uh the that controlled registering a domain name and um, and then that got spread out all over the place. Now there's a lot of different registrars. There's a lot of different hosting companies. But um, even back then, just finding a good deal was impossible. And as a kid who wanted to start a business, it was like I wanted to skip like the dot com era kind of mentality. I wanted to skip the the really the venture capitalism and just go right into making something that people wanted that helped people from a you know piece of technology that. People needed, and uh, and I just couldn't I couldn't get all the logistics in place for for what I thought was a reasonable price. And I thought, you know what, you know what's even better than getting that technology together would be finding a way to to get these services and bypass the monopolies in in the hands of like small small businesses that that can can appreciate that value. 
you know, I had a client this week and she had a website, nothing worked, none of it was working at all. And I said, what happened? She goes, well, my computer guy told me that Google and GoDaddy are the only way to go. So he signed me up for GoDaddy and and I have email with Google and none of it works. And she was all locked out of it. And the other very important thing is the dude vanished, of course, because all computer dudes vanish. And she didn't hear from him for six months and finally he reappeared and said oh i can fix this and he was all you know dudes want people to depend on them but then they vanish they're undependable so i said look we're going to liberate you i got her to, to something else and i said look you're in like she's a very sharp lady and i said look you're in control um, you're not a beginner. I'm going to put you in control and you don't have to depend on any dude who vanishes, right? You'll have control over your own website. Um, so we did that, but you know, I thought to myself, why do dudes all, you know, why do rather, why do all these monopolies exist, right? In my book, I say this industry is replete with inbred monopolies. And the answer is dudes are unoriginal. When you go to a computer guy and say you need something, what do they do? They default. Oh yeah, we'll put you on GoDaddy and Google. They don't think about alternatives, right? In, in your restaurant industry, we're, we're starting to talk about local food and farm to table and small business, right? But in my industry, it's just, I'm unoriginal. I'll just recommend the same thing everyone else is doing because there's nothing else besides microsoft and google that's awesome <laughs> right it's, it's I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to like i'm hesitant to like even touch on that because like i think there's so many layers to that onion right. that we need to peel back and right. i don't know if we have that much time but you know we're talking about originality we're talking about centralized data big data um living in a in in our lifetime we've most probably you and most of your listeners have have transitioned from where we were originally to what's called a surveillance state and having all of our data stored up on the internet is, is, um, you know, I guess coalesces nicely with the, with the, the initiatives of a surveillance state. Yeah, um, we used to live, so I guess we can call it the natural world where we were free to roam the earth and do whatever we wanted. You know, we, we <laughs> frolicked like deer and gazelles. And now all of a sudden we're in this cloud controlled world. And just because you sign up for a Gmail account and you, you think you're getting just a free email service, but actually there's billions of other things that they're doing to you. And it's the same thing with Apple and it's the same thing with all of them is there's a lot more to it. You're paying for it one way or another. I talk to you know folks all the time, and they're like, "Why would I pay for an email service?" And, and uh, I say, "Well, you're paying for it no matter no matter where you, you you slice it. You know, you can pay directly a few bucks here, a few bucks there, five dollars a month here, or right, you can mail fence get- and fast mail and Reagan and Mail dot com for you know three to nine dollars a month." Or you can get the free stuff where they scrape through your email, going through keywords, trying to sell your data to big data and, and really just, you know, the, you, you're selling, you, you are selling your information. Um, so it's, I guess, from a monetary standpoint, it's free, right? But from a cost standpoint, so I don't think it's free. Oh, and, and we could just do a whole episode on that, huh? I know. That's what we got to rain this onion in, man. We'll fold those leaves, onion folds back up and uh, talk about something else. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, and you're totally right here because, yeah, we could 
we could go on a lot of tangents. Um, one side note, I was at a school last week and they, even though they were near the hub for the really high end internet provider in their neighborhood, um, they had next to nothing in their office. They had like 0.2 megabit. So it was next to nothing, right? You need, let's say 10, 20 megabit to survive. And, and they were getting 0.2. Most of the time it just didn't even bother working. And here they are with all these cloud services and web-based Google docs. And, you know, they were dead in the water. So I went in there and, and put you know, I had a guy come in do real Ethernet cords. I put real working wireless access points everywhere and and ripped out a lot of the fake stuff they had. And and he goes, "Wow, you know, this is great. We this is blah blah blah." And and I said, "Look, you're actually lucky because you had some volunteers setting stuff up in this school." I said. Most small businesses have the same chaos and heartache, but they paid some scumbag 10 or 20 grand for the privilege. And then they also, their their annual contribution to the crypto ransomware guys through their insurance policy for a few hundred thousand dollars. And Good point. And, and the, the, the dudes who charge them the fees. I'm going to spend $100 a month for virus scanning fees. And I remember there was this law office. I'll never forget this. Scumbag came in and he was so well-dressed that they just signed a contract with him. He wanted $500 a month to do, and this was a couple years ago, for Adobe Flash and Java updates, which are automatic anyways. They paid the EOL hundred a month. What's that? They brought an end of life to Flash, right? It's done. Yeah, Flash and Java are, are thankfully done, but but and they were giant security holes and whatever. But and, and they also introduced legalized um spyware into your machine whenever you accepted one of the updates but anyway this scumbag charged them five hundred dollars a month but he had a nice suit on so he got away with it you know the um that scene in uh terminator 2 when when uh john connor's hacking the atm that was that was java that those atms were running <laughs> just <laughs> uh, and again i mean in this case you know i'm ju- i'm just boiling over because of this this guy who was just milking them for fees right it's you know and here you and i feel bad for charging people and we're always worried if we're overcharging them and and this dude was blatantly coming in there right and and either he didn't know that java and flash were automatic so he's incompetent or he's malicious he knew they were automatic and he still just and they, oh, but people, oh, paying for protection? Yeah, I'll pay for protection, even if the protection doesn't protect you. <sighs> okay. Um, True. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Do you want to do a couple articles here, Jim? I mean, we can talk about, yeah, let's see. Some of those topics you mentioned, uh, yeah. we can we can touch on those. And did you, do you, or do you want to give me a little more of your background, or did you... Did you cover that? Oh, no, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll come back on and we'll talk again and, and I'll, I'll talk more about myself. I don't want to sound like a, <laughs> a self. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm obsessed with myself. Yeah. We'll just, we'll keep it on the internet here. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right, well, yeah, here we go. So uh, all my guests on my show, when I get them on here, I start throwing articles at them. I'll read an article and then I'll ask for your opinion about it. So you're in the hot seat now. Here we go. 
This one here, and I've done these many times before, but every time I get one in the mail, I'm so furious I need to call them out on it. So there is a scam going around where an evil, evil scam, evil scam company uh, sends you a letter in the mail that makes you think you need to renew a service with them, even though you don't have any existing relationship with them and they do not provide anything useful. Okay, and there's a couple different ones out there, but this one is called DomainNetworks.com. Okay, nice and generic. They got a pretty logo. DomainNetworks.com. If you see this or any other letters in the mail saying you need to renew something and you know they're not your vendor, be extremely careful. Okay, this is a scam where these people and others will send you a letter and they'll make you think that, you know, because they have public information, right? Like, just like your property taxes are public. So I could drive by your house and say, hey, yeah, you paid 10 grand last year. So, uh, yeah, you need to renew, right? That's what these folks are doing. So they know your website, right? Um, so they sent me a notice and it says my website name, and it says the date, and then a fake invoice number. And it says description of services. Annual website domain listing, $289. Okay, domain listing is fake, right? Domain hosting is real, um, and domain name parking and all that. But domain listing... Okay, domain listing does not exist. So subscription includes annual domain business listing on domainnetworks.com. So it, other scams will actually hijack your name and you'll sign your website over to them, which is incredibly nefarious. These scumbags are just looking for a fake fee to have you listed on their fake um, yellow pages kind of directory. Okay, does that make sense so far? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they have a fake directory, basically a list of all their victims. So <laughs> in theory, you and I could go on this, yeah. anyone can go on this site and just never look at it that this. way, but that's, that's, that's brilliant, Mark. Uh, thanks. That's, that's, I just thought of that now as I'm reading this. It's like, oh, wait, this is actually a list of the dumbest companies out there. Maybe we should call all those people on this list and right? say you've been duped. Uh, oh. Make a show out of it. Yeah, that would be amazing. Oh, we're calling so, you live from the show here. We want to talk to you about the, some of the pitfalls of the internet. What are your thoughts? <laughs> and again, folks, you can't do a virus scan because this is an emotional sentence on a piece of paper. Okay, so in small letters, they say, this website listing offer is provided to leading websites, right? They're trying to flatter you. Leading websites throughout the U.S. to enhance their website exposure. Yeah, exposure on a list of, of people who were duped. And expose them to new customers through our directory, right? The only new customers who go there are probably ones who've been hijacked with a toolbar. And then these people pay the toolbar to steal the, the traffic and point it to their evil directory. We are not a domain registrar. and We do not register or renew domain names. Okay, at least they admit that there. And again, similar scams will actually hijack your name. And then they say, this is not a bill, it's not a solicitation, you're under no obligation to pay, right? So they have to put that legally, but they know someone who's looking at this, small business owners are busy, scatterbrained people. They're going to get this letter in the mail, they're going to see a dollar sign and a number and hand it to their secretary and, all right, just, just pay this, right? 
All right. So, so that's, um, you know, that domain renewal, um, domain listing thing, I've actually seen that before. Mm-hmm. And on some of the domains that I have, I have subdomains uh, that aren't like the normal www dot your domain. They're just like kind of like long, funky names. And those goofballs at these domain listing entities will send me like these giant envelopes with subdomains. And I, I get like three or four of them a week, I think what? that many. And yeah. Yeah. And, and cause I've got a lot of different subdomains and, uh, right, so something they, like com or breakfast. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So it's a, it's something dot yep. your website.com. And, and so they'll send me a thing saying, hey, we want to renew your domain and do your listing and all this stuff. I'm like, man, these people should get wise to the fact that they're just wasting you know, their, their postage. But chances are they, they make more money from the solicitation. And now, you know, you wonder, you wonder, like, why don't you see these kind of scams in your email and sometimes you do, but it's pretty rare that you see them in your email. But Great back point. a few years back, uh, there was a, um, um, uh, they changed the laws. Like I guess it was Congress and then the state department got together and they said, let's make a law to stop spam because you know how you get a, a spam message and there's an unsubscribe link in it mm-hmm. and you're like all right i can click this link and i'll never get this junk mail again well here's the caveat that law that penalizes someone from contacting you i'm not an expert on that law but uh, fundamentally it says like if you solicit someone by email that you're not supposed to there can be a fine up to ten thousand dollars Kind of like a, a cold call, you know, like you're not allowed to cold call someone on a, on a cell phone. So they'd um, be hit with multiple fines of 10000 a piece, multiplied by whatever, right? Right. And and then, the, you know, they'd have a class action where they could settle for pennies on the dollar or something. But but that's, you know, that's re- So if you have an email from someone outside the United States sending you spam and you've got a, an unsubscribe link, mm. that link actually translates to... Tell the scammers that you're a real email address and that you saw this message, and they don't have any obligation to remove you from the list. Right, and I, um, that's if a you're really, dealing- really good point. And I just, I've been telling my clients this recently because I had one lady call and she said, "Mark, I click on subscribe, and every time I do that, I get more and more and more and more and more spam." And I said, "Yeah, because right, if you unsubscribe to Procter and Gamble or." whatever, uh, you know, Arby's or something, that's fine. But if you click unsubscribe to anything else, yeah, they're going to say, hey, she's alive and we're going to bombard her with more. Exactly. So it's, you, you have to be a, a conscious consumer in that, in that regard. And, and if it is one of the, like the, the places in the United States, then that's great. And you can like stop getting your, you know, your, your coupons or whatever you're getting delivered to your inbox if you don't want them anymore. But uh, yeah, that's probably why we don't see it in their e- in an email because they would get they would get lit up so fast by like the um, you know if you get if you get fraudulent email you can go right to the the government and uh, and report that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that and it's well. it's called the 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 FBI IC three. Yes. And there's like a form you fill out on the website and you just kind of drop the information in and they compile it all together and you know go after folks that are that are using the internet at scale. Oh, so um, they shave off the worst ones, probably. 
<laughs> oh yeah, well they got they got their quotas they got to meet right. So they focus on the worst ones. Um, no, that's that's really interesting. And they, but right, I mean, and I tell people, look, even if they made a law tomorrow, someone will come out with something different. So they'll just mail you these letters from another country or whatever they need to do. The only thing, the only thing that's going to stop this stuff is awareness, right? Because the FBI can play whack a mole all day long, all they want, and the airhead politicians can call for reforms all they want. But the only thing that matters is if you get this letter and you say, I heard Mark and Jim talk about this and I know to throw it away. That's it. Human awareness. Yep. All right. You want to do one more quick article before social. we go? Yeah. All socially engineered stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Emotional. Okay. So this one uh, goes back to my large backlog of articles. Uh, December 2020, Microsoft reveals SolarWinds hackers were able to access its source code. Okay. And I did this show a couple weeks back. I did an episode about uh, the solar winds hack, right? Where basically solar winds, another one of these inbred monopolies that we don't even hear about. Solar winds does something like 70% or some huge, huge number. Uh, they have a humongous market share among, um, large companies, right? So their hardware and software, uh, are claim anyway, claim to protect large organizations. Great. Um, but their ubiquity was their liability. Some bad guy broke into their software, and it's a connected, cloud-controlled software. So some bad guy broke into their stuff, and oh wow, now he's got control of all of the SolarWinds uh, software and hardware among all of the clients ever, right? So that's a huge nightmare, and these jokers come up with this stuff. The jokers at SolarWinds just didn't ever realize that could be a a bad thing, right? I mean, it's kind of like if I was... I don't know. I'm trying to think of my analogies on the fly here, but let's say I controlled a fleet of cars, uh, remote controlled, right? And then you broke into my office and then got my remote controller. And now you controlled that fleet, right? So that's what happened. Um, so with solar winds, right? They claim to protect a bunch of large organizations. Fine. Someone breaks into solar winds and now controls all their clients. The, it gets worse. Okay. So this article, explains how it gets worse. The hacking group behind SolarWinds Compromise was able to break into Microsoft and access some of the company's source code. And source code is like the recipe or the sheet music or the blueprints, right, for their for their software products. Um, the company said its investigation has turned up irregularities with a small number of internal accounts, and one of the accounts has been used to view our source code. Uh, this adds to the ever-growing picture of the compromises associated with the SolarWinds hack, which uh, used the company's flagship network monitoring software as a springboard to break into the sensitive U.S. government networks and other tech companies like Microsoft. Um, Microsoft found malicious versions of SolarWinds software inside of its network just like other firms out there. So Microsoft and other firms found malicious versions of the SolarWinds software lurking in their own stuff, right? Again, you trust SolarWinds. SolarWinds itself was hijacked. Um, so now their clients are are hijacked, right, by, uh, by default or whatever. Uh, a company's source code is typically among its closely guarded secrets, right? It's the recipe, right? It's like if we found out the recipe for Coca-Cola, right? That's supposedly so closely guarded that only three people in the world know about it at any given time. It's kind of like that. Um, here's another very important thing. 
Microsoft said the hijacked account did not have the ability to modify our source code. That's really important. Okay, it's one thing, all right? If, it's one thing if someone broke into Coca-Cola and stole the formula for Coca-Cola. But it's another thing entirely if someone got in and modified the recipe so that all of a sudden the future products that are sold are modified, right? That would Mark, be really Mark, you got to try this. You got to try this. this. Is there a taste of, uh, ch- uh, what was this, uh, raspberry in my uh, my Coke? I didn't order a raspberry <laughs> Coke, did I? Exactly, right? So what, what Microsoft is saying is, locally, no one modified their garbage products. I mean, heck, if <laughs> it'd probably be better if someone went in and modified their products. Microsoft stuff can't get any worse. <laughs> you know what that probably translates into? is That probably translates into... We had a backup, and then we overrode all of their changes, and as a result, like, the end result is there were no changes, so the, the, it's, it's like PR so spin, right? Someone might have modified it, but then they, they fixed it, is what you're saying. Right, right. Whoa. Um, because, I mean, who's going to hack an account to a file system where you store all, store all your source code, and they, they can't, like you know buffer overflow your samba or whatever and, and not be able to get that far and not be able to change it right wow so to finish up they say the investigation has also found no indications that our systems were used to attack others um that's another relief um or at least so far that they know so no one hijacked microsoft so so they hijacked solar winds to hijack microsoft but luckily they didn't hijack microsoft to hijack anyone else um, however, I, Mark Arena, beg to differ because I think that Microsoft systems are used to attack people, um, because they, they're, they're attacking humanity with Windows 11, so that's enough of an attack for me. Opinions, Jim. Well, it's a comp, you know, SolarWinds is, is a complicated piece of technology. There's a lot of layers to it again. We come back to the layers, but it, I, I would per, I, I perceive what it does as necessity. Um, you know, if you look at alternatives, we could start with comparing some alternatives. There's, um, you know, there's there's software like Snort, which will look at packets and tell you if something weird's going on on your network, um, and that's mostly free. Um, there's there's other software that reads the same type of data flows that SolarWinds reads um, a- and tells you what's going on on your network that, uh, th- that is also free. They're open source projects, which come with their, their own risks. They're not commercially supported. You know, anybody can contribute potentially a backdoor to those things. Um, but, yeah, but solar I mean, winds, that whole opinion, like you can all close sources, even more of a backdoor cause you have no idea. Right. So then you want to, you want to go commercial, you want to pay and you know, the government is willing to pay to go commercial. So that's what you end up with the, you know, the fortune 500 companies, you end up that with the, the federal government, they're all, they're all going to get the, the great latest and greatest, uh, commercially supported pay for use solution. And that, that is that is what SolarWinds is. And I tried SolarWinds out for a while to analyze some packet flows. And like, I, frankly, I was not impressed with its ability. Uh, I thought it was, it stopped short, significantly short of a, a lot of the, the free alternatives. Um, wow. And, and so I, when I found some out. dude had a tech- collar and played golf with some government executive and got the contract, right? I well, hypothetically, right? Yeah, we could say that it could be, um, but it was not. Uh, 
Yeah. So, so I, if I were going to recommend a uh, solution to someone, I would consider uh, recommending the, some of the open source free alternatives that are out there. But, um, you know, it, it, some things that a commercial solution does gives you the ability to call them and say, Hey, my infrastructure's on fire. Help me fix it. Right. And, and that's, that is, that's in, in short supply nowadays is, is mm. having a phone number for someone you can call about a, a complex infrastructure problem. Um, you know, and if you're a paying subscriber to SolarWinds, there's a chance that maybe they're going to push out some libraries, some updates to you that will contain emerging threats to allow you to identify things on um, things that were once unknown that are now known that will let you pinpoint various threats on your network. So, so there's some, there's probably some merit to going with them beyond what I'm aware of, mm-hmm. but um, you know, to to in a world where nothing can be truly secured, um, uh, it's, it's, it's bound to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think that if, it, why would they be, why would they remote control all their stuff? And I know it's the way of the future and that's where everyone's going. But I just think that if you actually so care. With, with solar flare, they give you, you bet you, you have like a computer in your, your system or in your infrastructure. And that's your like command and control node for, uh, managing their suite of, of products. Mm-hmm. And that piece of software is what's going to like do, it's going to use your computational computer, you know, your, your computing power to run the numbers, tie into all of your different network segments and kind of just like sift through everything and read. It's going to have extremely low level access. And they talked about that with, with a lot of these data breaches lately. Like why did Snowden have access to everything? Why did this, you know, the, this, this this new guy here, uh, I forget his name. Why why did he? Why did someone who's like only worked here for a few years, who's so young, have access to everything? Mm-hmm. And and the truth is, like, to accomplish these tasks, you really do need low level access to analyze the packet flow. So some network guy somewhere needs to see everything to be able to calculate, uh, you know the 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 hashes on these on these transactions right um, which so, flies in the face of that zero trust garbage where organizations are saying we're not going to trust any of our employees with any logins or any information or any anything ever that's what zero trust in a nutshell so so you, they try to like add these layers of security and say oh well this guy can only access this menu and this guy can only access this menu but at the end someone's got to install the whole thing right and right. put it in place so so that guy is going to have access to uh to everything so so updates to the system um you're going to want those updates otherwise you're not going to know what emerging threats are exist in your network there's um, that may be active so this control node winds can push something out without yeah that's that's right so that so then SolarWinds software sits on this this control node in your infrastructure with access to everything and it says hey i need the latest things to update so i know what to look for to keep you safe um and and if yeah so it sounds like i guess it was fireeye found that the 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 software was they were running solar wind somewhere in their infrastructure and they found that that it was communicating with places it shouldn't and as a result they they were able to pin down that there was a backdoor in uh, the solar wind software mm-hmm. 
Does that sound familiar? Um, I think but that was a long like time that. ago. It, it still it just blows my mind. You know, it's it's hugely ironic, right? You hire a firm to protect you, but they are the hole in your organization, right? They are the security hole. Well, if you if you subscribe to the federal government's security advisories, which most people are never going to do, I I I, I read them and I it. I don't lose sleep, but it's terrifying to see what's out there from like the web browsers, whether you're running Internet Explorer from yesteryear or Edge or Firefox or Chrome or, you know, Safari, um, Android devices, Apple devices, the, the whole gambit. It's like, what week is it? Because any given week, Microsoft Apple operating system, like they're all vulnerable. You just go to the wrong website and bam, they've got, you know, they've remote uh, rootkitted your computer or, or ratted your computer, however you want to, mm -hmm. you want to call it. So, so the trick is you, you have to like, and I know you and I talk about the, the, the complexities and the benefits versus the, uh, the, um, what would you call it? The, the downfall, the, the risks, yeah, the cool. risks of having up Windows update. Because certainly, I have computers in my in my life that update, and I just like want to pull my hair out, and I'm like, oh, for the love, <laughs> like, why is this thing not working again for the fifteenth time? Oh, it's the second Tuesday of the month. Well, that's that's why. And and, and then it just blows my mind. If you want to do an update, fine, but why does every update have to be made by a slob and fix one thing and break ten things? So, so SolarWinds is is in the same boat where they're providing a service, you know, providing a feature, a technology, a solution, and just like everyone else, their software is limited by the underlying system uh, that it runs on, and it runs on Windows, it runs on Linux, right? And you're gonna, um, there, and I should, uh, to be fair. When I when I hit when I went through the hit list there of all the security problems, Linux has its problems too, and it's had some pretty big ones in the past. So, um, you know, not, again, in a world where nothing is secure, we're going to run into these. Um, we're going to run in, into these things time to time, and I, I don't know. Uh, was the FBI um, director of the FBI? I think said it. He said there's two types of businesses in the United States. There's businesses that know they've been hacked by the Chinese and the, there's businesses that don't know they've been hacked by the Chinese. Wow. Just like that. And that about wow. sets it up, right? <laughs> so, wow. I, mean, <laughs> and, I mean, that right there, that's, that's enough to... I'll think about that in the shower tomorrow morning. Wow, that's just enough to ponder. Um, the only thing I... I Maybe... I mean, I'm not... I'm not a... a macro level cybersecurity guy, right? I deal with senior citizens who get emotional scam phone calls. That's my deal, right? And I tell cybersecurity guys, it's like, look, you've got your world and my world's totally different. And the threats that happen in my world are stuff that's totally different from what you're dealing with. But anyway, I mean, if I were a large company, I would probably, after knowing all this, I would probably end up using Snout and keeping it local. Right. Instead of having some solar winds charge me a fortune for monthly fees and to control my entire gosh darn system remotely and, and think that somehow that's a good idea. Um, I, you know, any business that's that big enough to worry about this can afford to have a dude on call, you know, an in-house guy who they can call. Um, huh. Well, yeah, um, there's no good answer, but it is what it is. 
Well, and again, you know what I say too. Like I get it. I mean, I, I, you, I'm gonna. I, I don't want to say this, but yeah, Linux might be imperfect. You know, as much as I glorify it and say Linux is is perfect, it's for me. It's it's the least insecure of anything, right? Whenever I I was. All the time, I tell my clients, look, there are no good products in my industry. I just recommend the least bad ones. Like There was a time when I got an email, I think in the last 10 years, from the feds about their advisories, and you could literally connect to SSH, a remote access port, on any Linux machine, and because of a bug in the the bash script or the, the shell script that it starts, you would just... And again, maybe not any, but like most, right? We're talking a, a majority of the installs out there. It would just give you root access, like a terminal with root access, because you'd put a funky character into the uh, the login process. So I, wow. it just it, it boggles the mind. Right. So I could basically, you're saying in layman's terms, you could just break into any machine easily. Just dial it up and walk in and say, hey, right. I'm the boss. And there you go. And you I, wonder why those things are there. How do those things get there? Like, it's got to be someone put that there on purpose, right? It's either on purpose or they're just that sloppy. I mean, this stuff innately is too ultra complex. Right. If I look at my apartment has one door, right? And I also have a porch that theoretically I could jump off of if there was a fire or something, right? But there's that's it. I have a, an entry door and a porch. That's it. Why do these products have billions and zillions and zillions of holes all over them? That's what I don't get. I think I think you know the answer. Complexity which makes problems and then people depend on them, right? So is it like the Xerox model where, you know, Xerox was successful because they made ultra complex products that required a secondary sub industry of repair guys who would then come in and milk you for repair fees. Is that right? Yeah, it could be. It very well could be. That's my thought. And and it, until Fuji came along and made products that worked, and Toshiba made copiers that worked, right? And that's my hope, is that someday someone's going to come along and make a product that works, and then people will say, wow, we don't have to put up with this garbage and these repair fees anymore, and the fear. How about the fear as well? Well, you ask yourself, why did the federal government ban Huawei equipment in the United States? Oh, Huawei, right, right. And, why, and why would why did they do that? And and then and then you flip that on its head, and then there you got your answer to all our whole conversation. Wow. And and I'll argue that Samsung should be banned as well. I mean, they record everything you say if you have a Samsung TV. They have unremovable bloatware in their phones that I can't even rip out. You know, I, I argue that they should be banned as well. But that's just me. I don't know. How am I going to watch Dancing with the Stars? watch it on a, anything oh any other brand ever <laughs> uh, i watched it the other day actually or no i watched that other one american idol so well thank you so much jim the plumber um any last thoughts before we go i'd love to have you on any time and we could always do a follow-up episode if you got time i always love chatting with you mark All we'll right. uh we'll certainly be back to to come chat with you guys and uh i hope i hope you're uh you know, your week goes good here and everything is, is rolling smoothly for you and all your listeners out there. All right. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you later. Take care, guys.